Oh, you all look good. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, we uh, want to just continue this series that's been uh, taking us, going to take us all the way up to Easter. So we'll uh, probably finish it up next week in preparation for our Easter. And uh, I was sitting here one day and, and uh, I just out of my spirit, I started singing an old song. Um, called Amazing Love. Uh, we sang it a few weeks ago. And, uh, and I thought, you know, that song is 25 or years old or better. And Matt and I was talking in the break that some of those old songs, it doesn't matter how old they are, Brent. Man, when they hit, they hit. <laughs> and those words are still good. And um, I thought I stepped on something. Uh, let's go to John chapter 15. This is the scripture that we're using as a partial, as a basis. He said, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. What was that word? This is my, okay, just let that settle in. That you love one another as I have loved you. But I like the next verse is what jumped out to me. He said, greater love has no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. And that's what Jesus did for us. That's what makes this love so amazing. That's what's made it so unbelievably powerful that this love is just, it's there and it's amazing love. But what are the benefits of being loved by God? And so that's what we've been doing over these last few weeks is looking at the scripture. Last week we talked about, or the first week we talked about the benefit of being loved by God is what, do you remember? We'll read the scripture in a minute in case you forgot. <laughs> it's the forgiveness of our sins. That all of our sins have been forgiven. Last week we talked about one of the benefits of being loved by God is that his amazing love heals us. So let's go to Psalms 103 and let's jump out and look at the rest of these. Then verse one of Psalms 103, look what he says here. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Now, bless the Lord on my soul and, and forget, oops. And bless the Lord on my soul and forget not all of his benefits. See, that's the problem with this a lot of times, Brenda. We forget the benefits of being loved by God. And when we forget those benefits, we don't claim those benefits and we don't walk in those benefits. This is why when it comes to the forgiveness of sin, this is why we still struggle with our past. Because we forgot the benefit of being loved by God. And so we forgot that he's forgiven all of our sin. And we forgot, well, you know, when it comes to the, the gospel, Martin Luther said this, he says, well, we need to be uh, reminded of it so often because we forget it so often. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Now look at verse three. What's he do? Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, all. <laughs> that means there's nothing too big for him. There's nothing too small for him. There's nothing that they give up impossibility for. He for heals all all our diseases. Verse four, who redeems your life from the pit, 
who, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercy, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Folks, we are living in a time where a vast number of people, believers even, don't remember the benefits of being loved by God. They don't remember their sins are forgiven, so they struggle with their past. We don't remember that he heals all our diseases, so we struggle with sickness. They don't remember that he has redeemed us from the pit, so we walk around acting like we're sinners saved by grace. Wait a minute. I am a sinner saved by grace. No, you're not. You need to make up your mind which one you are. You can't be two things at once. You either a sinner or you're saved by grace. Which is it? Choice is yours. Well, I'm just an old, no, you're not. Because when you became something new, this says when we, we're going to get into all this in a minute, but when we became to Christ and we were wrapped up in Christ, we became a new creature. Old things are passed away. My old past is gone. It doesn't hold a light to me. It doesn't hold on to me. And I refuse to carry that old thing into my destiny. And we forget that we don't have to carry that old life into our new destiny because he has redeemed my life from the pit. Mm. We've forgotten that we are crowned with loving kindness and tender mercy. <laughs> We've forgotten that our mouths are satisfied with good things. You know why your mouth has to be satisfied with good things? When we get there, we'll look at Proverbs. We've been talking about it a couple of weeks ago because our confession says, the word, the word says that a man will be satisfied by the fruit, the produce of his lips. So he satisfies my mouth with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. And what the problem is, is we have a vast majority of believers don't know the benefits of being loved by God. They don't know the benefits of this amazing love, and so we walk around acting like we're something else. And we walk around behaving like we're something else because we think that's just who I have to be because that's who I've always been. And the thing that has bound non-believer and Christian alike is ignorance. That's it. Now, I don't, you know, ignorant, being ignorant is not necessarily a, just means unlearned. It means nobody's taught us that we don't have to be these things. So today I want to look at verse four again. Can you bring that back up? He says, who has redeemed my life from the pit. Today we're going to talk about what does our redemption look like through his amazing love. What does our redemption look like? Go to Galatians chapter three. Galatians chapter three, we're gonna start in verse uh, 11 here. He said, now it is evident that no man is justified by the law. So keeping all the religious duties, doing all, checking all the right boxes. All right, if I'm gonna be a good Christian boy or girl, I got to do this, and I got to do this, and I got to do this, and I got. And we've made a law out of this. And I like what Paul says here. He says it's evident. Well, obviously, sometimes it's not evident because I forgot. 
He said, but it's evident that no man is justified by the law. In the sight of God, for the just shall live by simply trusting God. I have to trust him that my sins are forgiven. I have to trust him that he's, that he's healed me. I have to trust him that he's redeemed my life from the pit. I have to trust him that he'll satisfy my mouth with good things. I have to trust him that he'll crown me with loving kindness and tender mercies. There's, it's, he says, you just have to live by trust, by faith in him. Verse 12, but the law is not of faith. For the man who does them shall live by them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us as it is written curse is everyone that hangs on a tree so that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ that we might receive the promise of the spirit through faith verse 13 yeah 13 Christ has redeemed I think sometimes we don't understand what the word redemption is See, for us to get, get this, redemption must be realized. And not only must redemption be realized, but when we realize what it meant to be redeemed, we'll realize that when we walk in faith, our, our faith will begin to grow. And we can begin to walk in freedom from our bondages. And we can uh, begin to see restoration of broken lives. And we can begin to walk in the blessings of God. But our problem is, we never come to the realization about our redemption. And we think being redeemed simply means that it's your it's get out of hell free card. You know, it got played, now hell's not on your Redemption holds so much more than, than just that. There is, shoot, there is such a wealth of things. And I wish there's so much stuff going through my head. I'm trying to, because you got to narrow redemption down because redemption is so big. Go to First Peter. Let me swallow this cough drop before I choke. Jody, you'll hold it. First Peter chapter one. First Peter chapter one, verse 18. For you know that you were not redeemed from your vain way of life inherited from your fathers with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. That's how expensive your redemption is. You ever went out and bought something that was so expensive that you thought, this cost me almost everything. What did you do with that thing? Somebody say that again real loud. You valued it. You took it and you put it away and you wouldn't let nothing Get in the way of your value of that. Our redemption costs the very blood of the crown prince of the universe. And in his death, he paid a price for us that we can never pay for ourselves. It was impossible, Sally, for us to pay this. And he said, but we were, but with the precious blood of Christ, as a lamb without blemish and without spot, he was foreordained before the creation of the world. That means before, now you've got to wrap your head around this. 
Let me tell you how precious your redemption is. Your redemption is so precious that before Adam blew it, God had already made a plan. He was never, oh, ever going to leave man in his mess. <laughs> Ooh. You were never intended to stay in it. Amen. It was always from the foundation of the creation itself. The plan was already put in motion that you would be brought back into right relationship with God. He says from the four, he was foreordained from the creation of the world, but was raised at the last times for you. The word redeem, it means this. It means to purchase back. <laughs> See, there was a price on your head. See, we're going into Easter. And we have to understand, going into Easter, Easter is the celebration of the price. We, we, well, it didn't happen here and it didn't happen that. Let all that mess go. Who cares? <laughs> we can find something wrong with everything. <laughs> but there was a price that had to be paid. It wasn't God's price either. Remember, if you've been around here long enough, we went back and looked at Isaiah 53, where it says, we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God. And we've looked at those words. Those words means we made the plan. Come on. Ooh, all right. God wasn't trying to satisfy his anger. He was satisfying man's idea of justice. Because the way we think, somebody has to pay. So he came with the intent purpose from the foundation of the world. He came with the intent purpose to purchase. Whatever it is, it won't die. <laughs> he came with the intent purpose to purchase you were so valuable in his eyes. The world was so valuable in his eyes that he was willing to pay the highest price. Oh, folks. It means to rescue, to liberate, to rescue from captivity or bondage, from any obligation or liability. See, your redemption is so powerful because of this amazing love that you have actually been rescued from any obligation to sin. You've been rescued from any obligation to the enemy. You owe your old man nothing. So why give him so much power in your life? You're a new creature. Don't forget it. <coughs> to suffer or to be forfeited. By paying an equivalent to regain possession of a thing alienated. Understand, our redemption was God regaining possession. Mm. You're his. And the owner, Willie Nelson is my favorite. Perry, I know you can relate. Have you ever seen Willie Nelson's guitar? 
Listen, what he used to do is he used to allow everybody he played with, he would give them a ballpoint pen. Now, those guitar players in here are cringing right now. He would give them a ballpoint pen, not a marker, a pen, to carve their name in the wood of this guitar. How many of you know if you take a nice guitar and you start carving it up, what happens to it? <laughs> it ain't worth anything anymore. And he did this for so many years, and then he would go and have it refinished every year, but those scratches would still be in there. And now if you look at his guitar, where the, where the sound hole is, it's eat out. It's got a big hole in it. I mean, there is, n I don't think there's any varnish left on the thing. I don't think, it is destroyed. To, if that was my guitar, Perry, you wouldn't give me two pennies for it. But because of who owns it. But because it's his, do you know how priceless that guitar is? See, the value of a thing doesn't mean nothing unless the owner, when he redeemed you, when he purchased you, you were worth nothing. But he is the owner and the owner, and because of how great he is, it made your value invaluable. You were worth the price. You were worth what he paid. Redemption is yours. You are something to God. The owner creates the value, not the object. He regained possession of me from being alienated from him. Now he owns me and he sets the value of the possession. Oh my goodness, folks. If we could just understand how valuable we are to God. I may not mean a whole lot to you, Sheila, but to him. I was worth the price. To him, I was worth the blood. To him, it was all. And he bought me back. I was alienated and I was far from him. But he set a value on my life and said it's worth the price. To regain possession of a thing alienated by repaying the value of it to the possessor. Go to Ephesians chapter two. This is, this, is, this is redemption. Realize this is your redemption. This is how valuable you are to God. <clears throat> I got accused of just preaching stuff to make people happy. Last time I checked, the gospel was called good news. <laughs> and I'm not embarrassed about it. I'm not ashamed of it. Because when we realize, David, what it cost, when I realize what he did, when I realize that he put the value on my life and said it's worth the cost. Mm. How dare I walk around thinking of myself as anything other how dare I devalue what he set the value on? 
How dare I look at him and said, I wasn't worth your price. He says, you don't determine what, I don't go into Walmart and pick up a pack of ramen noodles and it tells me what it's worth. The owner of that put a price on it. And I say, it's worth it. I don't know, ramen noodles is what came out. I don't know. I don't, it don't tell me what, I'm wor- what it's worth. I don't tell God what, is, what I'm worth. I don't walk around acting like I'm not worth it. You need to quit walking around like you're not worth it. He valued you. He valued you enough to empty out heaven. He valued you you enough to empty heaven. How dare you tell him what you think you're worth? Mm. Ephesians chapter two, are we there? Therefore, remember that formerly, everybody say formerly. You know what that means? You used to be, you are no longer. That formerly you were the Gentiles in the flesh who were called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision in the flesh by human hands, verse 12, were at times, that you were at times apart from Christ. You were What's were mean? Past tense. Why do we watch the news? To find out what already happened. It's called good news. (laughs) Already happened. He said you were at times past apart from Christ alienated from the citizenship of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise without hope, formerly without hope. That means you're not without hope now. Well, why do I feel hopeless? Because you're trying to tell God what you're worth rather than him setting the value of your life in redemption. We're without hope and without God in the world, verse, verse, verse 13. But now, everybody say, but now. Not tomorrow, not in the future, not next week, not when I check all the boxes, not when I do everything right, not when I've made all the right choices and I've never screwed up and I've never messed it up. He said, but now, in Christ, Jesus you who were formerly far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. There's a song that we, I don't know, I can't remember if we've sang it here lately or not, but there's a line in it. Yeah, I think Amy sings it. It says, you didn't want heaven without us, so you brought heaven down. He wasn't willing to go through eternity without you. He wasn't willing to spend eternity without you. So he brought, mm, 
He brought heaven down. He sent Jesus so that all you and I have to do is say yes and your vow. Listen, when Dee said yes to me, her value went. She, she, I don't can't tell you how high her value went, Ted. But the moment I said yes, and that's all I had to do. There's a song I used to sing, Dave. And in the song, there's the, in the chorus, there's a line in it. It says, and if you ask me to be your bride, I will say yes and leave this world behind. The moment, Jody, that I said yes, my valuable, my value was incalculable. You cannot calculate the value of me. How dare I look in the mirror and think that I am anything other than so valuable that God was willing to empty heaven to get me there. Amen. How dare you look in the mirror Think of your past. Think of all the things you did. Listen, if you want to start running a list of things that did wrong, I'll run a list of them with you. I'll tell you about the night I went out and got my backside handed to me and come back home and said a prayer to Satan. Said, I've seen what he's got. Let's see what you got. I can tell you what, I, what it was like when people looked at my wife when we first got married who hadn't seen me in years and they said, who knew her and said, I can't believe you married him. We couldn't believe you married him. He's evil. Did they tell you that? And you know what? Even though I was as dumb as I was and I was as black as I was, Brent, he had already paid the price. He, he had already set a value on me. And when I quit fighting my value and I said yes, my value skyrocketed. Folks, all we had to do was say yes in this. That's how hard it was. And if you ask me to be your bride, I would say yes. That's all it. That's all I did. Redeemed. Purchased back. He set the value on your life. He sets the value on my life. You say, well, Brent, why do you preach this? Because I'm tired of seeing a rotating door in the church and people who says that someone is not good enough. Yeah, but they kept doing those little sins and God still paid the price. And he still sees them valuable. So you know what I'm gonna do, Linda? I'm gonna take somebody and I'm gonna hold them hand and no matter how they still fall into that mess, I'm gonna stand right here with them. Say, just get up, dust yourself off. We're not done, God's not done. God didn't give up on me, he's not gonna give up on you. And we're gonna take you by the hand and we're gonna walk you step by step until you find complete freedom. And when you find freedom, you're gonna find somebody else and hold their hand and walk them through because you are valuable. That's your redemption. The price that was paid. 
You got soft hands. He regained possession of me. <laughs> Go to Psalms 107. We've looked at this a lot, this, this series. Psalms 107. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord speak out. If you're reading King James, he says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord speak out whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Amazing love changed everything. It changed everything. Oh, how wide. Oh, how deep. Deep is his love for us. Folks, do you realize you are worth the price? And I don't care what you think about yourself, and I don't care what you've done. I don't care who you did it with and where you did it at. You were worth the price. I'm going to prove it to you. You ready? Everybody knows this one. It shouldn't have to come up on the screen, but in case you don't, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever, he didn't put a, he didn't say you had to be this to be a whoever, you had to do this to be a whoever, you had to quit doing this, you had to quit doing this to be a whoever, and as long as you quit doing this, you can be a whoever, no, no, that ain't what he said. He said, whosoever, whoever believes. Yeah, but they're doing this and this and this. Give them time. They'll get there. Let's quit trying to be the people who decides, well, they got it and they don't. that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. It was nothing but pure love that drove Jesus to the cross. It was pure love. Second Corinthians, this is a scripture that changed my life. Anybody remember what it is? He's already put it up there, hasn't he? It's chapter five. <laughs> Bobby's on the ball, man. Second. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 18. Now read this whole chapter because this whole chapter is fantastic and it will change your life if you'll let it. But we're just gonna pick up in verse 18. And all this is from God who has reconciled us to himself. What? Through Jesus Christ. Jesus came to reconcile humanity to God and to show humanity who they really were. And all this is through Jesus Christ, through God, from God who has reconciled us through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Our, in other words, our job is to tell everybody else, hey, come on in the house, he's already forgiven you. 
come on in the house, everything's already done. There's nothing else you have to do. There's no boxes to tick. He already set value on you. Just come in out of the muck, come in out of the mire. You don't have to live out there, just come in. It's better in the house. Uh, mm. Verse 18, 19, yeah, 19. That is, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. So where was God? Come on. Yeah, but he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You do realize he was quoting a psalm to let them know this is prophecy fulfilled. He wasn't crying out, God, why, where'd you go? Because Jesus is God. You can't separate him. To separate that trinity is to destroy everything. But God was in Christ. He paid the ultimate price. But God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Well, if God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, where's the world standing now? Well, yeah, but there's a whole lot of people that aren't acting like it. It's because nobody's told them they don't have to act the other way anymore. Nobody's told them they're valuable. Nobody told them that God's already done it. See, we cannot get away from the finished work of the cross. There's nothing else to be done except to say yes. That's why it's called repentance, Brenda. Repentance simply means metanoia, to change your mind. You've got to change your mind about yourself. You've got to quit seeing yourself as the old sinner. <laughs> You've got to see yourself as a new creature. Verse 17 of this chapter, for all who are in Christ are a new creation. Old has passed away. Behold, all things, I am new. He already did it. All I have to do is say yes. We've made salvation so stinking hard and it's never been that way because God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. These verses get better. You ready? Look what the rest of it says. If you're reading King James here, it says not imputing. That word impute means to count against. So it was God in Christ Jesus, reconciling the world to himself, Dennis, not counting man's sins against them. Let that one sink in real deep. He's not counting people's sins against them. Why? Because cursed is he who hangs on the tree. He paid the price for the curse. God's not sitting up there like a big giant combat boot in the sky waiting to squash you at the very moment that you fouled up. <laughs> and all this is from God who is reconciling us to himself through Christ Jesus and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting man's sins against them. You tell me that's not good news? 
Galen, you tell me, well, I, you know, I need to figure out how to really, really win people to the Lord. First off, it's not our job to get anybody saved. He did it. He did all there was to do. My job is to tell them how valuable they are to God. And that all they have to do is say yes to him and change their mind about what they believe about themselves and their relationship to God. Go on to that next verse, Bob, please. God made him, verse 21. God made him who knew no sin to be sin. Why is God not counting man's sins against him? Because Jesus became sin. We're in Easter week, Easter season, right? Jesus became sin. He didn't just take on sin and lay it down somewhere. Because sin itself, Dave, had to be dealt with. And the word tells us here that God made him to be sin who knew no sin. Jesus went through whole, his whole life never sinning. What's awesome about it is he was tempted to sin every way you and I are. The word tells us that he was tempted in every way. So think of the worst sin you can think of. And I want you to picture Jesus being tempted to do it. He had to become just like us. And man, we have a long list of sins. And he became sin. Why? So that when he went to the cross... Sin was nailed. And it didn't finish there, Dave. They took him down, put him in a grave. And the word tells us that for three days, he went to hell. We'll get that in the next couple of weeks. It's scripture in case you didn't know. Why? Because there was a punishment that had to happen for sin. And he was not willing. He valued you too much to let you pay that price. So he says, I'll go. Now, all they need to do to avoid anything else is just say yes. Whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. <laughs> are you okay we get quiet when we start talking about things that the scripture really says <laughs> verse 21 and God made him who knew no sin to be sin that we might that word might is not really good there one of the actual wording should have said that we should be made in other words that this is our actual destiny that we might be made the righteousness that might become the righteousness of God on everything that I've done right. Nope, that's not what it says. That I will be made the righteousness of God. There's nothing I could do. The prophet Isaiah says <laughs> that man's righteousnesses, if you read that right, it says righteousnesses. Go back and look. You know what that means? Every attempt that you and I can make to be righteous is like a filthy, filthy rag. 
If you want a real good study, study what that filthy rag really was. Somebody knows. I heard him go. <laughs> he said, every attempt that I make to make myself righteous is dirty. So I am made the righteousness of God in what Christ did. The very struggle to be right with God, I never had to face. The very struggle to be made right with God, you never have to face. The hardest struggle. Perry, imagine if we would preach this to people. Rather than tell them, well, quit doing this and quit doing that and quit doing this and quit doing that. And then God will forgive you. He's already forgiven us. He's already paid the price for sin. So whosoever will believe, change their mind, (laughs) they'll be saved. But what about all this sin they're doing? That's when I'm going to hold them by the hand. and I'm going to walk them through it. And I'm not going to get mad and I'm not going to get frustrated when they come to me and say, I fell in the mud again. I fell into that junk again. Brent, I sinned again. I'm going to say, you know what one of my favorite sayings are? If you've been around me very long and you've apologized to me very often, you'll know that I'll say this to you. Well, I would be mad at you if you weren't so human. (laughs) That's what he says to me. He says, I know you sinned. I was there when you did it. I didn't jump out of your body when you sinned. Right there with me. And all I have to do is say, I'm sorry. See, when we understand the prodigal son, we'll understand even in the pig pen, he was still a son. He just chose to live somewhere else. And the moment he came to his right mind, see, that tells me the state of people who don't understand how great this salvation is. They're not in their right mind. It says, when he came to himself, Bob. That's what that means. When he got his mind thoughts together, he said, I'm going back to dad's house. At least I can be a servant back in dad's house. And his dad didn't even give him time to apologize. He saw him coming down the road and he ran to meet him. He didn't even... You realize the power of this, don't you, Jody? The father didn't wait even for him to come back to him. He didn't stand off and said, come on up here. You're going to grovel, you're going to beg. The moment he'd come to his right mind and started home, the father ran to him. Why? Because redemption is worth it. An amazing love changed everything. You got a little more in you? Romans chapter 3. Y'all are pretty good today. This stuff is this stuff's real. This is scripture. Why we haven't read this, I don't know. Or what lens, Pastor Ted, we've read this through. And this verse, he and I can't got together. I caught, he was sitting over in his office and I was sitting in my office and I yelled at him. And he came over and I said, where did this idea happen? He said, man, I don't know where it happened. I'm not going to go into it, what it is with you. But this is part of it. Look at Romans chapter 3, verse 21. 
But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God is revealed. Mm. Being witnessed by the law and the prophets, this righteousness of God comes through faith in Jesus Christ. And to all and upon all who believe it. There is no distinction. He's not picking and choosing. Now here's what we always love to beat non-believers over the head with. Is this next verse. You ain't there yet, are you? Yeah, you are. You're so fast. We've, we've beaten people up with this. Let me, you ready? I'm going to make you mad right now. This was not written to unbelievers. So why are we using it to try to convert them? This was written to a church in Rome. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And we stop right there. And we say, see, everybody's fell short of God. Every, oh, I'm glad you caught that because that's exactly what I was getting ready to bring up. There's a what? Which means what? The story's not the story's not over. The story's not over. For all have sinned and come short. And we want to tell everybody that. We want to make everybody feel like dogs and feel like dirt. But God values them. He valued them so much, he redeemed them. He paid the price. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Alice, what's that thing? A comma. More to the story. So what's the story, rest of the story? Paul Harvey. And now the rest of the story. Being justified. That's a done deal. All sin, everybody came short of the glory. But being justified freely by his, oh, glory to God. Being justified freely by his grace. Oh. Hmm. Why do we stop all of sin and come short of the glory of God? That's not the story. That's not the point of this scripture. That's not the point of these verses. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Being justified freely by his grace. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Comma. Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation. Big words to say sacrifice. Substitute. So you didn't have to do it, Jody. Whom God set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. For a demonstration of his righteousness because of his forbearance. God has passed over the sins previously committed. Have we got to the period yet? Nope. Why did we ever stop at verse 23? The rest of the story. Oh my goodness. Isn't scripture fun? It make you feel good. 
<laughs> For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, but being justified freely by his grace, through the redemption in Christ Jesus, ooh, God has passed over the sins previously committed, comma, to prove his righteousness at this present time so that he might be just and the justifier of him who has faith in Jesus. Period. The the, the thought is finished now. He is the justifier of the ones who said yes. It's already done. He's already been. But the moment I changed my mind, the moment I repented, changed my mind about who I was and my relationship to him, he was the justifier. And he no longer looks at sins previously committed. Oh, glory. This is the true message of our redemption. That when Satan looks at us, he sees Christ. When God looks at you, he sees Christ. Now, wait a minute. I don't believe that. I'm glad you asked. We're going to end right here. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Verse 15. I'm going to read this out of the Passion. We haven't done that one in a while. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty. King James says you have not received the spirit of bondage. He said, but you have not received the spirit of religious duty leading you back into, into the fear of never being good enough. You have not received the spirit of religious duty leading you back into a feeling of never being good enough. But you have received the spirit of full exception. King James says adoption. Adoption means you fully accept that child as your own. There's no difference, or at least if you do it right, there shouldn't be. He said, but you have received the spirit of full acceptance enfolding you into the family of God and you, oh glory, will never feel orphaned for as he rises up with us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection. King James says, Abba, Father, our spirits rise up and declare, Beloved Father. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, You are God's beloved children. And since we are his true children, we qualify to share in his treasures, for indeed we are heirs of God. Mm. we are heirs of God and since we are joined to Christ 
joined, joint heirs, King James says. Come here, Maisie. See, what a joint heir is, turn around here, let me see your pretty face. See, what a joint heir is, is I, one day I came along to God and I just wrapped my arm right into him with Christ. He enfolded me in. And now when God looks at Jesus, he sees me. And when he looks at me, he sees Jesus. And he can't tell where Jesus ends and I begin and where I be end and Jesus begins. We are so enfolded together that what he inherits from heaven, I inherit from heaven. And what he gets from heaven, I get. Because I have been made a joint heir. Enfolded in, wrapped into, and I can't get away. And because of this relationship, your phone just vibrated. <laughs> and because of this relationship, he was more than willing to pay the price so that I would be called a child of God, as much a child of God as Jesus. How dare you devalue yourself? Thank you, baby doll. We are joined to Christ. We also inherit all that he is and all that he has. We will experience being co-glorified uh, with him provided we accept his sufferings as our own. That's the best translation of the last part of that verse I've ever seen. Not that God wants you to suffer. He says, I want you to accept my suffering as your own. Accept what I've already done as yours. And all you had to do was say yes. How dare us devalue what he placed a value on. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for who you are and what you are in our life. We glorify and magnify you. We praise you in the beauty of your holiness. And we say thank you. Thank you for our redemption. Thank you for choosing us. Thank you for loving us so much that you were willing to just exit all of, empty all of heaven for me. I praise you, I thank you, and I glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen, amen. amen.